Welcome to Walkin' and Talkin'. Today's podcast is called Jesus. What was his message? Jesus' message, simply put, was repent, for the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. And I want to try to break this down a bit. I want to take a look at repent. What does that mean? It's not a word that we typically use these days. I want to take a look at the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven. What does Jesus mean by that? Because, again, kingdom is not a term or a concept that we generally use. I want to look at is at hand. What does that mean? And then I want to take a look at Jesus himself as the one who is bringing this message to the world. So if we take a look at repent, repent really means to turn, to turn away from one thing and turn to another or to do a 180. Repent means to stop and consider and to see if a change needs to be made. Repent means learning, evaluating, taking an account of, and in that assessment, seeing how one might adjust a practice, a thought. Repent means changing our ideas and our ways. Repent can mean when we were governed by one idea, we changed to be governed by a different idea. Perhaps we were governed by fear and hate or obsessive concern about something. But instead, we turn to being governed by love, a concern for others. We can turn from a viewpoint of being self-consumed and everything being about ourselves to being others-consumed or others-centered, where we start to live our lives by the ideas of how will this affect other people? Not that our lives are ruled by what other people think, but we begin to take into consideration a genuine concern for the welfare of others and how our lives, what we do and say, can impact them. So what about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? I think what Jesus is saying here is, repent, look, something's happening here that you might want to pay attention to. But what is this kingdom of God? When you look at what's recorded about Jesus and his teaching, it's plastered all over the place. The Bible talks nonstop about Jesus preaching the kingdom of God, sending out his disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God. Paul went about claiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus. It's a very central theme. I think we can think of a kingdom as a government, a country, a people under a given ruler. And Jesus taught nonstop about this kingdom, especially because he had to undo a number of ideas of what people were expecting the kingdom to be. Israel at that time was expecting Messiah who would usher in a kingdom on earth. And Jesus had to give some clarification as to what it was he was actually doing and claiming. One is where Jesus says, what is it like? What can I compare the kingdom of God to? And he says it's like a mustard seed. It starts out very small, but then grows to the biggest tree. He says it's like leaven, which starts out unperceptible and then makes its way throughout the entire batch of dough. Jesus had to teach how the kingdom of God is not like earthly kingdoms. There's a time when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, and Jesus had to set them straight and say, no, this kingdom isn't like this. The greatest among you is the one who is the least among you. It's not the one who seeks to be known, who seeks power and glory for themselves, but it's the one who humbly pays attention to the needs of others, the one who rights the wrongs of injustice, 
the one who sees someone being oppressed and stands in the way of that oppression, the one who has a life other-centered, the one who says, look, that person's hungry, let's give them something to eat, or like the example of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus lays out, look, there's someone hurt, let's help them. He says, these are the greatest in this kingdom. That's what this kingdom will look like. The kingdom of heaven is governed by love. And Jesus talks about the kingdom of God not being geographically located, as he teaches the kingdom of God is among you, like leaven in dough. You can't really identify it and say, there it is, it's over there, it's in this group. No, it's scattered among various groups, among different people. Jesus talks about when the people of his kingdom are finally gathered together. Two will be at work, one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be in bed, one will be taken, one will be left. The point being, we may all be parts of different relationships and organizations, but those who are his, those who have turned and who are in his kingdom, it's a matter of who in their hearts and minds are being governed by his ways in their thoughts and intentions. And they can look very similar on the outside, but on the inside, one can have thoughts of, oh, this is how I can get ahead by showing concern or care, by doing these things that look loving, or one can have genuine concern and care and really don't care about getting ahead. They're genuinely concerned about the other person. And that's a dividing difference between one living in the kingdom of God with the king and one still of this world, one still living for the goods and the outcomes that this world provides. That's the dividing line that really only God can tell. That's why I think Jesus talks about the need for a spiritual birth. There's the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus. Nicodemus is a ruler of the Pharisees and he comes to Jesus at night. It's dark out so he can't be identified because that would ruin his reputation as a Pharisee. But he sees in Jesus something going on that is not of this world. It's otherworldly. And so he comes to Jesus at night and says, Jesus, what's going on here? I know you couldn't be doing these things on your own if God were not at work in you. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, one must be born of water and spirit. And they go on to have their conversation. But what Jesus makes very clear here is that it's something that happens on the inside that then, of course, extends to the outside. But it's this inside birth of becoming aware spiritually, of being awakened by the Spirit of God himself to the other, a birth that happens not unlike that of a physical birth where we're born of water. And Jesus goes on to say, don't marvel at this. The wind blows where it will, and there's no making this happen. It's really quite a mystery how God is at work in people's hearts and minds, and when someone turns to God. It's a matter of a person being taught by God, of being awakened by God. God seeing someone, searching for him, looking for him. Someone returning to God, and God in turn returning to them, and saying, here, have a part of me, my spirit. Now let's get to work. Here's a little mustard seed. We'll grow from there. And we continue on learning in his ways. Jesus teaches of the kingdom that we worship in spirit and in truth. It is an internal that has external effects, but the kingdom is not a matter of just manipulating our external behaviors. It's a matter of our spirit changing, our intentions that then have external ramifications. Jesus teaches of the kingdom that it's a kingdom of truth and that the truth will set you free. This is a truth that teaches what's real, divides real from unreal. And Jesus says, in knowing this truth, 
you'll be set free to live a life based on true and good ideas. Jesus also teaches of the kingdom in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is a treasure trove of kingdom teaching. But he starts out with what's known as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacekeepers. Blessed are the poor, and so on. But I think what Jesus is saying here in his opening statements on this message, as he's looking around at all these people who are now following him and learning from him, many outcasts, many that are looked upon by the spiritually elite as marginal, not of much concern. But he says to them, you are the salt of the earth. And he says to them, essentially, the kingdom is open to you too. And he lists many categories of people who have been marginalized by the spiritually elite and says, no, the kingdom is open to you. And this is the incredibly good news. The kingdom is open to me. Jesus says, yes, the kingdom is open to you as well. You, the meek, you'll inherit the earth. You, the spiritually poor, the kingdom is open to you. You will see God. Jesus teaches the kingdom is open to any and all who want to enter. Jesus goes on from there then to teach about what the kingdom life is like, what a kingdom citizen would behave like, well, what a citizen would have on the inside of them that leads to that life of love identified externally. Jesus goes on to say things like, you've heard this said, but I tell you, and in each of these phrases, Jesus brings it down to the internal motivation of a person. Jesus says, don't just not kill. He says, don't hate your brother. Jesus says, don't just not commit adultery. He says, don't lust. And as we mature along that path of character, Jesus brings us to the point of even don't hate your enemy. If you want to be like God, seek after what's good for them. That's what God does. If you want to be a child of God, well, be like God. You once were an enemy of God, and he loved you, so seek what's good for your enemies. Now, to make one point, it doesn't mean seek what your enemy likes, what they want, but we have to learn what's good. And that, too, can be quite a journey, to learn what's good. But in that, we see a consistency with the Old Testament, as over and over we see God imploring people to cease to do evil, learn to do good. So that's the kingdom. Here's where we're at. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What about is at hand? And if we look at is at hand, or is among you, Jesus is saying, it's available to enter into now. The kingdom is here. I'm doing a work to build this kingdom, and it's starting now. Of course, in one sense, everything is God's kingdom. But as said in other places, and as was being done with Israel, God is preparing a people for his own possession, a people zealous for good works, a people who live in his way, or a people for his own inheritance. Ultimately, and consistent with the beginning of the Bible, with Genesis, I think God is building a people who can eventually rule with him because they're trained in his ways of love, of good, of concern for all. And God is building this kingdom of people to rule justly with him. And Jesus is saying that kingdom is at hand. It's starting now as a little mustard seed, but it's going to grow. It's starting as a little leaven in a loaf, but it's going to permeate and work its way through the entire world. Just a few more comments on the kingdom itself. I think another way we can express this is the government of God. The government not of laws, but of love. Because if really people knew how to love, we wouldn't need laws to protect people. Who would need protecting from love? 
So it's a government governed by love. Another thing to try to set straight is that the kingdom of God, being a disciple of Jesus, is not a ticket to an eternal Disneyland. Much of the message we hear these days is, believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven when you die. And I think that truncates Jesus' entire message. That certainly is part of the message. One must believe in Jesus before you can learn from him and trust what he says. And certainly an aspect of life with Jesus is going to be eternal life. But to just say it's a matter of believe in him so you can go to heaven when you die is incomplete. And it's incomplete to the point of getting it wrong. Without the fuller understanding, it leaves one just incorporating a belief in Jesus into their current life without ever becoming a student of his, without turning from anything, without learning any new way. It's an insurance policy. And Jesus was not an insurance salesman. Jesus was a life sensei. I think one of the best analogies we can use is that of a sensei where you put yourself under a master and learn his ways. Now, some of us may be very new students, very bad students, but the point is being a student and continuing to learn his ways and leveling up, getting new belts, if you will, forever and ever seeking to attain that black belt in life where we become a master of love and goodness and kindness and concern to the point where we, like our master, lay down our own lives for the good of others knowing that really we'll live forever. This then raises the question, if the kingdom of heaven is available, if it's at hand, how do I enter it? How do I become a part of this government? Jesus says cryptically, I am the way. And this is where many stop sometimes, where they say, just believe in Jesus. But the point of believing in something is to live according to it. I don't just believe water is good for me. Because I believe water is good for me, I drink it. I don't just believe I need rest and sleep, but because I believe it, I do it. I rest. And so we become members of this kingdom by becoming students of Jesus. Believing in him is the introduction to this life with Jesus. But Jesus, in his final statements, in what's known as the Great Commission to his apostles and disciples, says, Go now and make disciples of all nations, of all people, initiating them into my name, into the name of my Father, initiating them into my Spirit. And Jesus says, Teach them. Teach them to do all the things I have commanded you to do. Teach them how to love. Teach them how to live this life. And he says, As you initiate them into my Spirit, I'll be with you. My spirit will be with you. And Jesus says, know this, all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. So here's where we turn that corner too of knowing not only is the kingdom of God available, it's at hand for us to turn into, but the king of this kingdom is Jesus. We're being mentored and taught by the, the very ruler, the very kingdom bringer. The kingdom bringer is the king. So how do we enter into this kingdom, into this government of God? We turn to him, become his student, become his disciple. We believe the things he believed. We embrace the spirit of Christ in us. We learn to pay attention to the things going on inside of us. We learn to hear his voice, his moving, his prompting, his correcting. And here's the thing also, he's a gentle and good king. He, in knowing the hearts of men and women, can know what's going on in our hearts and perfectly teach and train us. As David says in the Psalms, your gentleness has made me great. As it's said elsewhere, a bruised reed you won't break. 
as it's said elsewhere, you'll take us by the hand and lead us to goodness. As it says in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Around him, I know I'm taken care of. I can lay down in a field full of everything I could ever want and not have to take it because I know I'm taken care of. That's the kind of leader this king is, that he has the best intentions for us and is able to carry out those intentions. And this comes from getting to know him. And that's the turning, the repenting, the getting to know Jesus and trusting him. I can let go of these other things that I think protect me. I can let go of anxiety and fear that I think I need to keep in order to protect myself. And I can learn to trust that someone loves me. Jesus goes on to teach of himself. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, in contrast to the religious leaders of the day who put a very heavy burden on people which is not too different from these days. But Jesus instead says, My yoke is easy. The life of a disciple of Christ, the life of a student of Christ in the kingdom, is a life of learning to do the things that Jesus taught us to do. And that's a life of learning how to love. That's a life of training and practicing. That's a life of understanding and having surgery done on our internal motivations it's a life of learning true ideas and thoughts about the world around us, about ourselves, about what's happening. It's a life of not manipulating or being manipulated. It's a life of recognizing and knowing truth in ourselves and externally. It's a life of being freed within ourselves from the harm that we cause others and ourselves. It's a life of trusting in a good leader, a good king, who sets the example by healing everyone who came to him and by laying down his own life to show his love for us. And a king who gave us assurance of his goodness and power by rising again to life, by living still. That's the kingdom of God. That was Jesus's message. Turn for my rule, my government, my way is at hand. It's open to you. It's open to everyone who would turn and enter, and I will give you life now and life eternal, and you will have joy abundant in this life, even in the midst of hard times, even in the midst of being executed should it come to that. They won't be able to take away your joy, and that joy being a sense of well-being that everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. That's kingdom life. For those of you in the kingdom, carry on. For those of you wanting to be in the kingdom, for those of you hearing his voice even now, just turn. He stands at the door and knocks. Just open the door. You don't have to understand everything. He does. Just say yes. I'm going to follow you. At the very least, I'm going to start checking you out. It's a good kingdom. He's a good king. He's the author of life, so he knows what he's talking about. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he look right at you and give you peace. Amen.